They don't understand that networking matters, connections matter, doing things together matters, learning from, uh, you know, from being part of a group of people, you tend to learn quicker than you do on your own and so on and so forth. So I think all of that, that's the biggest learning really is, is just, I just trust in the power of community. Welcome to Behind the Community Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sims, and on every episode, I'm going to take you on a journey with me to uncover the truth of what goes on behind the community. I'll be speaking with industry leaders from all over the world to help you become the best community builder out there. Over the past decade, I've launched and scaled more than 40 different communities from a 10-person book club to a million-person finance network. Now, I'm very excited to share today's podcast conversation with you. I'm joined by Blaise Grimes Fort. With over 20 years of experience in crafting and managing online community and social media strategies, Blaze brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. Our conversation covered key takeaways from two decades in the industry, the evolving definition of community, his guidance and top tips for emerging community professionals, and so much more. Let's dive in. I'm going to start with a question that I'm always curious about when I when I uh, have these discussions with people. So how did you actually start your career in community? Sure. Well, it, it goes back a while. I mean, it's, uh, it's been 20 odd years now, so I'll try and dredge out the, the beginning of it. But uh, um, basically, my, my father was a, I, one of the first IT teachers in secondary school in the UK. And so we had to BBC micros and all sorts of very old-fashioned computers at home. And so we managed to get the internet in 94. So I floated around Usenet uh, and then Microsoft Chats. I didn't do too much BBSs because it cost an absolute fortune dialing in and I was I didn't have <laughs> I didn't want to spend my pocket money on it. Um, but the point is by the time I got to university in 97, 98, I was quite comfortable with it all. Of course, you know, university systems were significantly more powerful than what we had at home then. So that opened up all sorts of whole other worlds. And in fact, I did my master's dissertation on how digital piracy groups at the time coordinated online, which was a community in itself. Um, So that got me into effectively moderation randomly. I found on a pin board, an old fashioned paper pin board, a job uh, description for moderator for the BBC and PlayStation at a a long gone agency called Chat Moderators. So that was 2001, I think. So I used to moderate. uh, So the BBC had just acquired the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy website, which was basically a a wiki of some description um and yeah i used to spend my nights reading the articles as they were being imported into the bbc systems and making sure that they were okay because clearly the editorial standards were quite different and then yeah and then well actually what happened then is I, i became an account manager uh so running those projects and playstation at the time asked us to do a bit of community management for their forums uh and i speak French so I started I did some French community management which was my first opportunity and then from there obviously got very interested in it all uh, moved to a media startup that was acquired by Hearst UK and that led me on to where you know building forums for websites for Cosmopolitan magazine Harper's Bazaar Good Housekeeping you know the whole stable and then in 2000 and what seven eight you know we had Twitter emerge and I had to train you know, if I was the only person who knew anything about this stuff, I trained all of their editors on how to use Twitter and how to use Facebook. 
and yeah, it kind of went from there, really. And I suppose that was a you know a shift sideways into social media, which at the time I don't think we necessarily really saw it as different as community. I think nowadays we do see them as quite different spaces on the on the main. Um, but then, yeah, I had a, a short time at a social intranet company before joining what was then known as eModeration, which was a uh, at the time content moderation agency doing a bit of community management. So I joined to build their community management division. I then developed the insight division and research division. We built out a strategy division, like pure play, not just couple of people like a big team i worked on the rebrand from e-moderation to the social elements which gave us more of a you know brands around social media as well as community management so to, to break away a little bit from you know j- just appearing to do moderation and, and then yeah we became a, a pure play social agency i suppose i mean they still do some community management and engagement, particularly on social media, um, but it's a lot broader. And so in the middle of all of that, you know, I was going from head of community, head of social, VP, and then eventually, uh, um, I mean, what was I? Uh, Chief innovation officer while we pivoted the agency. So I I learned a lot about innovation techniques, which I think community managers would benefit a lot from. And I think we do see uh, community consultants use workshopping techniques uh, that stem from innovation methodologies. And then, yeah, I mean, I was not, I had a title as chief services officer, basically it's like a CCO, CSO, um, a chief social officer. I was overseeing the entire delivery of all of the work, whether it was around um, engagement, strategy, insight, moderation. Uh, we then, I think just before I left, uh, the last thing I did was set up a creative team. So we started doing campaigns and things like that. And then, yeah, it'd been 10 years and I thought, okay, well, I've, you know, I came here to build something and I feel I had built something and, you know, 10 years is a long time and I don't know, yeah, just needed a break. Uh, so I, uh, we decided that I would um, take a break and then that was in uh, technically in February 2020 or thereabouts. And of course, that was beautifully <sighs> timed for a very long break. Uh, so yeah so then I decided you know I wanted to do freelancing I I just I didn't really know what I did and I'll explain a bit Mm. later I think we'll we'll probably touch upon some of my motivations uh, you know and how I approach things but um, yeah it it made it a bit harder to freelance and to, to, to build up some sort of consultancy activity but you know yeah I've just registered a company name um congratulations (laughs) yeah and then uh yeah i mean i've you know over the last couple of years i've I've proven to myself that i can do it alone and i think you know the consultancy lifestyle is is a very challenging one something i I don't think i fully appreciated you know when surrounded by lots of people i mean that's Mm. me it was a marvelous experience being surrounded by great teams over my career and being alone is a lot harder. Yeah, it's, it's a very different experience, but it's also been incredibly rewarding, okay. I think, being able to fly your own flag. But there you go. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. I definitely feel like you have this very entrepreneurial urge to do things because that that whole experience you've just shared with me is incredible and I think for someone to do all those different roles and step into things where you know you are leading in that space you really are at the forefront you're teaching others how to learn and and grow in that new space so yeah I think that's an incredible achievement and yeah I think I think also when you go onto the freelancer or or any new role um for that case there's always this like sense of the grass is greener and you don't really know until you do it and sometimes it's 
you know, you jump and you fail or sometimes you jump and you, you know, you, you found your, your bearings. So that's really exciting. Congratulations on the, uh, the, mm. the new, uh, the, the, the name of the company being registered. And <laughs> so maybe we can dive into, I think, because you, when I look at your LinkedIn, I see you do wear all these different hats. Uh, how would you describe your role in community today? It's an interesting question. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's a tricky question because I suppose it depends how you define community. And I mean, we could have a big discussion mm. about the definition of community, but I suppose what, what I'll do is I'll just describe the kind of work that I'm engaged in and then, you know, hope maybe we can see how it applies to how I see it as applying to community. But, you know, I have a stable of consulting clients and that is pretty broad. I mean, I, I have a couple of fractional CXO roles. So by that, I mean, I'm effectively a stand-in chief something officer. So for one, chief marketing officer, and I, I lead on marketing there. Uh, for others, it's more chief community or chief social. So I'm acting as that leadership point of expertise and direction. But I'm not there full time. Mm-hmm. I dip in and out. So there's it's a bit like being a consultant. But it's a lot tighter and I have some level of responsibility that a consultant generally won't have. So for that is a lot of the focus is around maybe operational builds around social media and community. So going in generally it starts with an audit, you know, of what they have. I might look at, you know, what, where they need to get to, we look at their objectives, you know, how they're going to get there, what sort of money are we talking, who do they have, you know, do we need anyone else, and so on and so forth. So it's things like that. The other aspect of what I do, what, I, what I'm trying to do anyway, is uh, growing community management as a service. I mean, obviously, with the social element, it was social media as a service. In this case, you know, then I, I, I see less of a differentiator between social media and community because I think a lot of community can exist in social media and I, I'm not snobbish about it. I mean, I think there's aspects mm-hmm. of social media I don't like, you know, and we can touch upon those if, if, if you'd like. But, uh, you know, for me, I don't want to close off the social media space completely because you can build very strong community in there as well. But I think delivering it as a service for people who, you know, maybe struggle with resource hiring or skill sets in-house and so on, I think there's a lot of supportive functions that you can offer as an agency uh, to help people run their community or social programs. And in that, I'm generally platform agnostic, um, but I am partnered and certified by Meta and Guilds, for example. Um, So I do, I wouldn't say, you know, they're not preferred platforms, but I tend to gravitate towards them through those relationships there's a trust i understand the platform um and then uh probably the the slightly the slightly harder thing to explain is where over my career what i what i suppose what i've done is i've internalized community methodologies and community theory and psychology and because as you said my career has taken me in many different spaces what i found myself doing is reflecting them back out and how i do business, how I manage teams, how I do things. And so I apply those community concepts in, you know, for clients with internal organizational design, for example, or I run team alignment workshops, you know, so it started off as how do we get the community or social team to work well with other departments, but actually, how do people talk to each other? How do they operate, mm. you know, as a unit that is productive and, and all working towards the same goals and effective? but I'm applying effectively community methodology into it. So I'm embedding it deep into the organization. So I suppose, you know, it's kind of a Trojan horse. You know, people say, oh, how do we get companies to take community seriously? Well, I'm not even asking that question. 
I'm just saying, if you want to work as a company well, start with what you have, which is your staff, your team, lay on community principles, and often I'm not even presenting them as such, it's just here's some solid principles around human behaviour, and then, of course, those principles bed in. So when you present the concept mm. of community, well, it's not alien anymore. You know? But, yeah, so it's, it's sort of gone into that. I run strategy workshops, you know, and so on. But it's all based around collaboration, co-creation, inclusion, alignment, and so on, which actually we can bring all the way back to community building. Mm. And then, I mean, the only the, the other aspects of community I could add in is I do float around, I coach people. I, you know, I, I have uh, regular meetings with people I call my fake colleagues, which I've built up. And, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, they're not, they're, they're co-mentorship in a way. I learn as much from them as I hope they learn from me. And then, you know, I suppose that that busyness leads me into the real world occasionally. I, you know, I help um, set up and run a local food hub for the community that came out of, um, you know, the COVID response. I was head of the PT, uh, school PTA until recently. So, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's an instinct. I mean, you just find yourself in places and people yeah. come to talk to you and then next thing you know, you're doing stuff and you're like, why am I? T-? Yeah. But, uh, I think but, like all, yeah. all community professionals, you just end up putting your hand up mm. for a lot of things and you're like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing too well, we much. We love it really. Yeah. Uh, we do love it. Yeah. I've definitely put my hand up to put together WhatsApp groups and then I've ended up moderating and leading the discussions and building up content strategies mm-hmm. <laughs> without realizing I it. Yeah. So is there any specific company or project that you're working on recently that you'd love to share um, out of all of those? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, because of the nature of a lot of my work, I mean, there's all sorts of non-disclosure agreements in place and so on. So it's, it's hard to go into too much detail. But I, I mean, I've got a, you know, a couple of examples I can give to illustrate what it might look like, you know. Um, I mean, one one of my projects is I'm a fractional CMO for a robotics company, which is fascinating because I've never worked with manufacturing or you know industry like an industry like that, yeah. and it's mostly focused on B two B, which. You know, if there's any anyone working in B2B, I, I feel your experience. You know, so I've, I used to do a lot. I mean, I've worked in B2B agency side, but on B2C brands, typically. And so mm. B2B is a particular experience, particular set of challenges, and I've learned a lot from that. Uh, but then in this case, because of the nature of the, the product, it's, um, it's mostly geared towards research and academics. And that is a whole, that is a community in itself, a very, very tight-knit community of people who all know each other. And, you know, you need to tap into that in a very, very cohesive and, and, and considered way so that you're not promoting, you know, you, you are working very much to, uh, to, to what they're trying to achieve. And of course, they don't necessarily have huge budgets. So, you know, you, you need to get in early and mm. talk to them a lot, I find, in terms of a marketing position. So actually, all the community skills I've learned in this community approach really help in that respect. And then uh, another project I'm doing, this is probably quite interesting because I think it really does illustrate the breadth of what I might be doing, is I'm working with a, a London-based agency. They have a, a – it's, it's technically a social team, but because of the nature of the agency, they work a lot with local communities. So they work for clients mm. who engage with local communities. And so you get that you know, community engagement aspect to it. And there, you know, it's it's really, it's a really broad engagement. You know, I'm doing, I'm running a, a team capabilities assessment, so designing what kind of, um, how we should organise as a team, who we have, what their skills are, what their knowledge is, what we're missing, who do we need to find to fill those gaps, 
do we use, you know, do we build a pool of freelancers and content creators? Do we partner with other agencies for that? How do we develop the team in social mm. and uh, community skills? How do we then look at the finances of it all? You know, being an agency, particularly, you have a whole thing around, you know, what you pay people, the overheads you carry in terms of the tools that you're using and other expenditure, and then the profits. You know, I mean, obviously, agencies have to make profits just as any other company. So, yeah, what tools? Where do we get our data from? Particularly this thing with Twitter yeah. making data very expensive, but also demographic data. You know, where, where, how do we mm. learn about the people we're trying to engage with and trying to get to engage with each other and, and, and our clients? And then, of course, you know, as with any organisation, all of the alignment exercises I mentioned. So in this case, it's quite interesting because, but I think it applies to brand side work as well. You know, you have divisions in the agency that focus on on non-digital work, but they need to use parts of digital to deliver it and and social and and community. So you need to support that. But ideally, you co-create those solutions because they've got to feel buy-in. You've got to feel you can deliver it. You don't want that friction or that siloing because it tends to expand as, uh, over time. So it is, you know, it is it's what I call an inf- infrastructural exercise, basically. You're really going to the roots of the company and, and how it might operate because sometimes those connections are not there in the first place, even between other departments. It's not to say for that particular company, but you do discover a lot of various things. And yeah, and then it's, you know, looking at how they then also deliver the work for clients. So what work are they going to do? How do we sell it? How do we talk about it? How do we measure it? You know, again, it might be agency Mm. work, but it's all stuff that applies as well if you're working brand sites. So, yeah, so that's really, really broad. Um, you know, that's, that's something that's going to keep me busy for quite a few months. But it's, it's, the <laughs> kind of, it's the stuff I enjoy, you know, getting really in the thick of it and wearing a lot of hats across a, a very yeah. wide section. And then, of course, there's a community collective, which I really, that's a lovely way to stay in touch with other community managers. I really enjoy the, you know, both the conversations we have in the collective, as well as the video calls, because, you know, I've operated at a senior level where, you know, it's, a, it's, it's very much a pyramid for a reason. You do tend to have less and less communication with practitioners by default. You know, you have your trusted new tenants mm. who then have the conversations further down and it's easy to get disconnected. And I, I, I do like being in the trenches and if not in the trenches, at least near the trenches and, and hearing and experiencing it with people. So, you know, so I think being around people starting out, you know, various stages of their, their, their careers and facing their different challenges is always a learning experience. And I hope I give back as much as I get from it. Yeah, I'm sure you do. It sounds like, you know, any company that gets you is really getting a, a good, a very good value because you do seem to cover so many bases. And especially, as you just said, like, you like being, you know, in the trenches and at the forefront, really. So, yeah, I think you can kind of dive in anywhere, really. We can throw you throw you to the wolves and you would you would kind of no, figure it out or know what you're doing already. It's probably, probably a weakness in the grand scheme. Of, yeah, we, yeah. I, mean, I find myself <laughs> tinkering with things. I, you know, one of my colleagues, one of my clients said, you know, do you want the login to the WordPress site? And I had to say, no, please don't. Because if you don't give it to me, I'll be playing around at the weekend. But no, it's, you know, but the thing is, I think, you know, they're different styles of leadership. I mean, it's, I'm not bashing any different type of leadership. I think some people are better, they operate better remote and aspirational. I've just enjoy being in the thicker things with my teams and, and leading. I, I guess it's no, I don't even see it as leading. I think it's a journey that we're all on and it's just someone has to 
make that final decision. And I guess also you said it before, you know, some people have to be comfortable with that. It's, it isn't always easy. You know, not all decisions are enjoyable. Some are deeply yeah. not enjoyable, and uh, but someone's got to make them. And I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm psychopathic enough to be comfortable with that. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, I, I just, I, th- I think it's, for me, it's important to understand people's experiences before you ask them to do stuff. And I think you have to understand what you're asking people to do as well. Definitely. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, you do have such a breadth of experience. I think, you know, on your LinkedIn, you say 20 years. Is that is that correct? And what is your biggest learning and takeaway from that? that experience yeah well i think i professionally you know i started getting cash for this in 2001 2002 so mm-hmm. i suppose it's been just over 20 years i mean you know i think most community builders would say it's not you know it's not about the money as such i mean obviously it's important to earn a crust but i mean it's i think it's something that comes from within needs to <laughs> you know, builds community. So mm-hmm. I think it's been longer. But I mean, um, no, I think my my biggest learning, I suppose, my biggest lesson is that community is everywhere. You know, and again, you know, talking about this thing about how do we get community to be embedded in an organisation and convince people? Well, you know, I remember talking to uh, Bill Johnson, actually, about this probably a couple of years ago. And I think I've had the same conversation with Vincent Boone as well, about how, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the fact that we're trying to convince people that community matters is almost the wrong perspective. You know, the fact is community matters. And we know that the whole society, everything around us is built on community. So it's a default. And then you move on from that default, mm. you know, so it is absolutely everywhere. And I have, and I'm living proof that you just apply community management techniques if you wish to. That's it. You just manage mm. people using that method. You, you build community if you want to, you know, you, you don't tell people why community is good. You show them. You do it. You know, you, you give them real life examples that they live in. And then you say, yeah, well, we could be doing the same in this other way. But I've applied it to team management, to stakeholder management, networking, self-development everywhere. You know, it's just it's inherent. But, you know, I think that, that I mean, particularly now, you know, I know we're going through a difficult e- economic period. I mean, there are times when I have felt insecure in my ability or position. You know, maybe I felt I'm failing or I don't have the right skills or, I'm, you know, I'm not being trusted or, you know, the company doesn't get it or whatever. But the fact is, is, again, over this long horizon, my community knowledge and skills have always opened doors for me. I have no doubt about that. You know, mm. I, I am very, very fortunate. And I think we're all very fortunate to have been exposed to these methods and psychology behind all the whole of the discipline in our careers. There's a lot of people out there, they haven't. And so they don't understand that networking matters, connections matter, um, you know, uh, doing things together matters learning from uh, you know from being part of people a group of people you tend to learn quicker than you do on your own and so on and so forth so i think all of that that's the biggest learning really is is just i just trust in the power of community fundamentally i've, I've had it demonstrated over and over and yeah it's just beyond question and i guess maybe that conviction helps yeah. me convince others yeah definitely there's no yeah it, it, i think if 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 it works, it, it's meant to work. And I, I think the brands that are making it work is because they believe in it and they see it and they trust in it. Do you think there's any specific metric that businesses should be looking at right now? Oh, I think, it, I mean, that's no, uh, there's no specific metric. It really depends on circumstances, what you're trying to achieve, what, you know, uh, yeah. which space you're in. I mean, 
you know, I could give you a studied answer, but I won't because it just depends. I, I think, you know, yeah. the most important thing, and this is the thing, is you, you know, you mustn't build community in a silo. I actually think saying community sits under marketing, community sits under customer, all that, com- that, that is a redundant conversation that is unhelpful. This is why mm. I think, in a way, I'm, I'm fortunate that I got to the CXO level because I was able to learn about how business operates. And that's, a, that's where you need to come in. It's, it's a business philosophy. Many years ago, I, was, I remember doing similar talks like this. And well, you know, I gave a talk, I think, quite early on in my career. And someone asked me, you know, oh, well, my company doesn't really want to invest in community. So they've hired me, but they're not investing. I can never get anything signed off. What should I do? And I just said, quit. Mm. Company doesn't get it. You know, you're not. You're probably not going to convince them. They don't get it. So, yes, okay, you've got a job, and I know it's not easy finding another one. But you're not going. Nothing's going to change really. So you're better off going mm-hmm. to a company that does understand it better. And it's the same. You know, I've, I come to the same conclusion in a way that actually some companies get it fundamentally, and some companies don't. And if if the people at the top don't get it, then you are just a budget line. And the fact with budget mm-hmm. lines, again, from having looked at a budget from the top level down. Yeah, budget lines are just budget lines. And at some point, something has to be cut. And if I don't honestly believe in this initiative, or I believe less in, you know, I still believe in it, but I believe less than some other initiative, that's what we're going to get cut. But if I fundamentally believe that this is a way of doing business, it's a way of interacting with customers, it's a way of doing internal communications, well, it's it's fundamental. It's just as fundamental as HR and and project management, right? It's, It's a fundamental discipline. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's so true. You can never build community as a silo because, yeah, exactly what's happening now to businesses. If if they didn't believe in it, then you're the first to go. Mm. And I think that's what I love about Finimize as well. We, from a CEO level, you know, our CEO Max has always been uh, just the biggest ambassador for community, and he brought in our VP of community as around when he was hiring our first ever VPs. Um, so from the beginning, he he knew that that was going to be what our business was, how, how we'd achieve as a business. And so he brought in the VP of community from the very get-go. And, and now basically everything in the business is because of what we understand and learn through the community, which is exciting. Well, there's part of the scaffolding. That's entirely. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. he's a very smart person, and and I commend that, that that attitude. But I mean, that's it. So you're in a business that gets it, and actually everything is infrastructured around this kernel of an approach, rather mm. than it, you're trying to push it from the outside in. That's very very difficult. I mean, it's it's Newtonian, right? Yeah. It's a lot harder to push something into something else than it is to add layers on something already there. Exactly. And I guess talking about, you know, the current climate and what's going on in the industry right now, what is your opinion? Do you think community managers are safe or? Hmm. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's all, it is all cycles. I mean, uh, I was, but not, not that I'm old. I don't think I'm particularly old and there's people with far more experience than this than me. But I mean, I've been around long enough to know that businesses expand and they contract and then they expand again you know same with economies i mean i think we're in a particularly challenging time because there's a lot of things going wrong but you know i mean if you ask people who were around 
a hundred years ago, they'd probably say the same. You know, they're just may, maybe less mm-hmm. aware of it because they didn't have mass media. Um, but you know, the thing is, I've also seen it with with in sourcing and outsourcing. Right? I mean, I, I was part of startups that were bought in, and then they took the startup and they turned it into in the internal team, and then they got rid of everyone and they outsourced everything, and then three years later they bought it all back in house. You know, I mean, it's just it's like breathing. It, it will just happen. I mean, it is really tough when it happens to you. You know, when you're the one who has to go, um, and I think it can be very traumatic, uh, more traumatic than than you feel at the time. I think it can stay with you and, uh, you know, educate how you react to other situations and make you more worried about your safety. Having been the one to see it through, you know, to do it, it's also very tough. It's like I said, it's tough making those decisions. Um, it's tough telling people they have to go. And it's tough also knowing that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're having to let go of huge amounts of experience, huge amounts of knowledge, but you, you know, it's the stability of the company. And that's the one thing I've learned is, you know, the company is the be all and ends all. I mean, fundamentally, um, and it's just, you know, it's the way it is. Uh, so, you know, I, I also I've spent probably just over half my career agency side, and it happens a lot more. And more often. So maybe I'm a bit more mm. grizzled about it. I think, you know, if, if it's your first time, it's always tough. Yeah. But, you know, it's just it's just rubbish all, all rounds. But it's just one of those facts of life where, you know, I mean, I when I left my job and then I couldn't work because it was very hard to network, well, we had to cut back on our outgoings. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it, but had to breathe in. Now I'm breathing out again. You know, it's just and maybe some other time in the future, things will change and we'll have to go back to, you know, a different way of life. I don't know. But no, I think that, you know, for me, it's it's not really a question of safety. I think either you either you have your job or you don't, you know, fundamentally. Either, you know, the company thinks that what you provide is worth keeping or it isn't. And actually, there's no, you know, in my experience, there's only so much control you exert on that. These decisions are often made in rooms that you don't even know exist, you know. But I think the only thing you can do as a career choice is to make your skill set more resilient. And that's what I tell mentees, what I tell my team members all the time. You always look at ways to grow yourself because it's good for you anyway. And any manager will value it. And and if they don't, well, at least you're better prepared for what comes next. But, you know, looking sideways at other industries that aren't suffering similar economic pressures. Not every industry is suffering this. You know, most industries have, mm. have companies running community programs. So, you know, just go and look at where things are not as bad. But then also all of our skills are very, very transferable. You know, I mean, whether it's the obvious, mm. um, obvious other de- departments like customer service and products and so on, but then you know, internal comms. There are very large organisations running internal communities. It's not massively different. You can learn about it. You can get in. Um, yeah, there's just other routes. But fundamentally, and again, we're back to the community stuff: connecting with people, networking, sharing knowledge. You know, that, that's always been the big thing for me is actually as much as I love learning things, you get further from networking. So just talk to people. Definitely. Yeah, talk to people and that will build a resilient network yeah. around you and you'll have more opportunity. And we luckily as community people, hopefully we're already running events mm. or already already building that network, you know, not meaning to, mm. to, to build a network, but just because it is it is our jobs to to talk to so many people. I think that's the the best thing. I'm not. I never was the a good networker until I became a community manager, and it just became part of my job. So yeah. it's definitely a, a lucky thing to have. And so, I guess with with 
the change and and uh, how long you've been a community manager. How do you define community compared to previous years? Has mm. it has it changed significantly, or or do you think we're kind of it's not too different? I'd love to hear your opinion. No, this is that's a really interesting question. I, th- I think. I mean, you know, the, the what I'm finding interesting in, in my life is that, you know, I, I came from a highly technical family, always comfortable with technology. You know, I mean, I'm sure other people will identify, you know, I'm, I'm the tech support of the family and other people's families and so on and so forth. And yes, mm-hmm. as I get older... I find it harder. <laughs> and I think with community, you can feel that way as well. You know, and particularly as you you gain in, in seniority and hence you do less hands-on, you don't have that exposure. So you see new features, new platforms emerge, and you think, oh, I'm not on top of this at all. And, I, you know, I don't know how it works. Um, but, you know, I'll give one example. You know, you've got the telephone, you've got social audio. Is it really that different? And I think a lot of this stuff is repetition. It's, it's these, again, cycles of renewal. You know, what, what do they call it? Old ideas made new. And I think when you mm. have enough perspective to look at it like that, then it's a lot easier to absorb. I think we did have a golden era where we had a lot of people who were able to access the web, particularly the social web. They did do it in increasing numbers, and they congregated in relatively few places. The problem we've got now is that we're atomizing completely. People are leaving Twitter. We're just, you know, there's talk of banning TikTok. And so we're not going to have these big areas where people are congregating and whether we treat them as, you know, community or or not. So, you know, the fact is everyone's floating off in all sorts of different ways. So everyone can access the web, but we don't know where to find them. And for us, that makes it a lot harder. You know, I think this is why I'm not snobbish about social media. I wasn't because, you know, if you build on a platform like Guilds, which is a network, or you build on Facebook, there is a benefit of it comes with a, a, a social web ingrained. So it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to access people. Uh, building on your own platform is more challenging inherently because you have to you know, gather people together. But I think fundamentally... It's, it's two shades, right? You've got technical skills. There's a lot. Of, it's a lot harder to specialize in a functional skill. It's not about that anymore. You can't just say, well, I'm going to focus on content or data or leadership. You know that. I think there's that marvelous community roundtable diagram, which shows you all of the areas of specialization. I think that's half the story because mm-hmm. there's so many different platforms that all have so many different features that within that, you then have segmentation of different types of technical ability you know, uh, which make it a lot harder. Then you've got the matrix of channels. You've got all of the overarching disciplines of where community might be in. So it's easy to feel, well, I come from a customer service background because that's where my community was. You know, can I really operate in marketing? But I do think community has is is succeeding in transcending those silos you know and, uh, but it's now washing around everywhere no one really knows how to fit it in and so and i think that's the thing mm-hmm. is people are still operating with a siloed mindset despite knowing well okay we've managed to prove the value of community but now we don't know what to do about it <laughs> you know, people want <laughs> companies want to do community but you know there's not that many answers out there so I think we just need more measurable use cases and we need people who are comfortable talking about those and, and who have the experience to demonstrate them, you know, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, going back to your, yeah, you can never build community as a silo. I think that's a really good lesson here. And I think people are still still trying to figure it out. <laughs> but a lot of companies now, you know, that have figured it out will will, will be surviving for sure. So coming to the end of our podcast, uh, I hate it when it comes to the end, um, but I do have, a, you know, a question to ask um, about 
tips. Mm. Do you have any uh, tips to share for aspiring community professionals that maybe would like to follow in, you know, your footsteps? Because I think they're pretty interesting footsteps. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I will challenge that. No one should want to follow in my footsteps. They're mine. <laughs> and, and yours are better, you know, and I think that's that's probably a thing is, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious, but don't look around too much uh, what other people are doing. I mean, even, you know, if, if it's any reassurance to anybody listening to this, even I, with my experience, can feel dramatically inadequate when I look around what other people are saying they're doing and so on. But it's not healthy. You know, it's your journey. You dictate, you know, the, but I think that's the, that's the thing. So if I gave tips is be, be curious right about what interests mm-hmm. you because there is a path for you meet people and learn that's basically it and then follow your own path in that sense but i think you know doing things yourself as much as possible so that you can then and i mentioned this you know you can train and supervise other people doing it um that's if you wanted to grow in the discipline into senior roles that's the best way of doing it looking for responsibility you know we spoke about this as having the courage to be the person who takes on that responsibility but then also recognizing your weaknesses you know i mean i I've, i always build t- teams based on what i can't do what i feel needs doing so i don't think what you know we will do what i can do and what i know about is actually well what needs to happen where do i run out of runway and hence who do i need to bring in who are going to a compliment me but eventually surpass me in this field in this area of knowledge and that's what you want i mean arguably that's you know that was my big learning as a, as a chief officer was you know you don't want to be a functional expert your job is to keep the show on the road really is to to, to inspire mm. and lead people but your not job is not to be an expert i mean some are experts and yeah. it can help but actually your job is to identify experts and, and motivate them and engage them and get them to give as much as they can to the organization so i think being able to see what is required and and bring that you know and find it is is probably i would say the, the biggest skill that you could look for and try and develop um, but at the same time, not to overthink either. I mean, this is something I, I think over the years I've become a lot more of a stoic. I've realised there's a lot of things that I think I made happen. I didn't. I control very little. And sometimes whatever we do, things are not going to work or whatever we do, things are going to work. Sometimes, you know, I see this in business. Uh, I used to get very stressed about pitches and why they're not phoning back and what, what could we have done differently? And then over the years, mm. I've realised, well, you can pitch great and you just don't get it. And then someone doesn't phone you, and then they phone you out of the blue three months later. It's just so there's all sorts of stuff yeah. going on around the world and in people's lives and so on that you're just not aware of. So you do what feels right, you do what you know is right, you do your best, you keep learning, you keep talking, and you just stay chill as much as you can, basically, and just accept that actually you only control yourself to an extent in that sense that's the best you can do and then the last thing is is just because i've been very fortunate to achieve this a couple of times in my career is if you hit a state of flow you know with people on your own mm. just enjoy it while it lasts i think it's easy to think oh, it should be all the time and once i hit the state of flow it's going to be forever and it really isn't so despite what you read on, yeah. on social media you know but when it happens it's a sublime experience treasure it you know because it's not supposed yeah. to happen all the time life is not supposed to ride the wave yeah ride the wave that's make the most of it yeah I liked your point as well around recognizing your weaknesses and I think a lot of community managers and community professionals what we have in common is is that the fact that we aren't the experts Mm. we're you know we bring the experts into the room together or you know we 
support and, and amplify those experts, but we're not really the expert. And I think, you know, before we were talking, uh, recording, sorry, we were talking a bit more around um, AI and and I'm wondering if like with chat GTP, uh, GTP, <laughs> With a chat GTP, is that a, you know, a new way where community managers can actually fill in that gap and, and lean into more of the expertise without actually having to be an expert? What is your opinion around AI and having that as a tool? I, I think there's a lot of applications. I use AI in, in my discipline, um, you know, in different ways. I'm cautious to lean on it too much for the simple reason that as, as, as a consultant, I have insurance and I'm not entirely clear at which point who is liable for what. And so ultimately, again, it's on my shoulders. And so in the same way that I would take advice from people around me, Ultimately, I don't think, well, I'm just going to blindly do what the AI says. And I think that is deeply irresponsible. I do feel a little bit uncomfortable as well because I know how AI is built. And I have a couple of, I have other clients that I really can't talk about where I'm, I'm helping building these, these, um, you know, data sets. So I think the, the, you know, the challenge around AI is just, you know, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know if, you know how much validity in in what it's recommending, and of course, you don't have the knowledge to necessarily always judge, make the right judgments on what it's saying to you. Um, so, I think you know, approach with caution. But there are fantastic applications, transcribing, for example. You know, meetings, getting all the transcripts out, getting all the actions pulled out. That's great. Uh, going and getting top line ideas, prompts fantastic mm. uh, trusting ai to tell you whether a piece of content is illegal and should be removed no i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> i just wouldn't i mean i don't think any organization is, is is reasonable if they think they should trust ai in that sense um i think it should always go through a human gatekeeper but you know i i think it it is of great help but also you know we are we, we work in community it's about people you know yeah. i think it's always about people and um, until you know until uh, Skynet takes over and it's all robots, then we're still here. And, you know, until ro- robot, you know, AI becomes sentient and, and, and has a personality and, and is completely free-flowing, then arguably it should be for our benefits. And our benefit is in connection. We know what happens when people exist on social media behind a screen with no human connection. We know that that kind of connection has value to a point. You know, we all know what happens mm. when you develop a relationship with people online and then you meet them face to face. I mean, I probably don't even need to express the feeling. We all know that feeling. And ultimately, for me, AI is the same. It will help us in immense ways, but it's still down to us on how, what we do with what we're being told by the AI. Definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good point. Oh, it's making me want to go to another community manager mm. meetup, <laughs> just thinking about it. I think it's just so nice to be in a room full of people but it's also really nice to be in a room full of community managers as well so gotta get one set up soon and so finally you know what what can we expect next from you is there anything coming up you want to shout about you're excited about uh sure i mean well you know i suppose i i spend most of my time fumbling in the dark and i think that's the thing is i just instinctively think well what what do i want to do how do i feel about it let's try this let's try that see where it takes me so it's, it's hard to say exactly you know what happens next because i think my whole career has been this feeling 
you know what feels right what feels yeah. right but um you know it'll be i'm sure it'll be more interesting and, and new challenges and it will be mostly around helping people and it'll be about building things which has been you know i don't know if you've ever done those team building exercises where they ask you for your why you know why do you do things what drives you and that is helping people and building things for me so it'll be around that i am in the process of hopefully finalizing a i think what they call a fireside chats with uh, two titans of the cm industry soon on the use of ai so uh yeah, check out my LinkedIn and hopefully it'll be announced in a, in a couple of weeks or so. But yeah, I mean, that's it really. I think it's just continue to make sure that communities are at the forefront of, you know, business mindsets and, and, and business goals and, and that they understand the value, but just embed it, embed it at the roots, mm. you know, rather than bring it in through the branches and hope it sticks. Yeah. Love that. I think that's exciting. And yes, we'll definitely link your LinkedIn and, and all the kind of topics we, we mentioned today, any of those articles below. But yeah, thank you so much, Blaze, for talking to me today and and sharing, you know, your experience and all these amazing takeaways. I think I loved your practical tips as well. So thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, Michelle. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for coming with me behind the community. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd also love to hear from you on LinkedIn. You can search Michelle Sims to find me. I'll see you on the next episode.